It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got some more bowl games to talk about. We got a little bit of recruiting we want to hit on. It is still college football season, despite being uh, you know here deep in December. How are you doing? You ready to go? Uh, yeah, definitely ready to go. Um, I have some bets I'm placing on some bowl games here. I, I know this podcast is posting after Christmas, but as we sit here recording before Christmas, there are some bowl games I have my eye on to place some wagers in. So there you speak, go. So. We're yeah, still is... <laughs> we're still alive, Joey. We're still alive. That's that's right. Hey, if there's games on the field, there is uh, there's action off the field as well. Yes, to be, uh, be correct. Uh, Mike, as you referenced, we do record this on the morning of December the 22nd, um, so a few days before Christmas, but figured this will probably go live the morning after Christmas, so uh, Merry Christmas to all who celebrate, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy Hanukkah to those who have recently concluded those celebrations, um, hope everyone has had a good holiday, uh, you know, had some good good time, and uh, enjoying the winter season, and is still enjoying some college football as we go. Uh, Mike, we have a little bit of news we want to hit on here off the top. As um, really, I can't. I think the only significant thing really that's happened for the ACC, um, kind of call it off the field, in the last few days, we found out the transfer destination for former NC State quarterback Devin Leary. And I, I think maybe at first glance, this was something that was not all that exciting. Did not really make a whole lot of sense. Was kind of a, a weird move, honestly, in a lot of ways. But I think when you add a little bit of context, it actually makes a whole lot of sense for him. Yeah, so uh, Devin Leary is transferring to Kentucky. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, some fans were looking at it and they were like, okay, Kentucky just had kind of a bad year, you know, relative to expectations. Mm-hmm. Stoops has obviously elevated that program to being one of the top teams in the SEC East. You know, I, I think, you know, they struggled offensively. Offensive line was really bad. Will Levis, top draft prospect obviously did not play as as well as a lot of people expected him to so people are wondering okay Devin Leary going into that situation why does that make sense for him well it makes sense when you pair it with the fact that Liam Cohen Joey who was the offensive coordinator at Kentucky in 2021 he left that job went to the Rams in the NFL he's been there for almost a year but it was announced recently that at the end of the Rams season he'll be heading back to Kentucky to be the offensive coordinator once again under mm-hmm. Mark Stoops. So why kind is this a weird a, move, by the way? I, I don't know if I've ever uh, we, seen that yes. before, but sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, one year. Yeah, so that's a little weird, too. So we did one year at Kentucky as the OC, one year with the Rams in the NFL, then back to Kentucky for a second year as the offensive coordinator, sandwiched around an NFL stint that lasted, basically when it was announced, like lasted like 10 games. And I know Cohn's still there, but for all and I think when purposes. Kentucky hired him originally, he was he had been with the Rams organization as well. So like yes. he's just yeah. sort of ping ponging back and forth between Los Angeles and Lexington, Kentucky. So why not? Yeah, that's a thing that a lot of normal people do. Anyway, <laughs> um, so why is this significant for Devin Leary? Because Will Levis's best season as a college quarterback, the the season that put him on the map as a professional prospect, was in 2021 with Liam Cohen as his offensive coordinator. Um, Levis completed 66% of his passes through for nearly 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. This year completed 65% of his passes, 2,400 yards. So same, similar completion percentage, less yards um, through 10 interceptions and 19 touchdowns, right? Touchdown interception ratio, not nearly as good. Um, 2021 is where he was put on the map, right? He has best season as a college quarterback. Devin Leary is in this situation now where he's coming off an injury. He was looked at going into the season as probably one of the top draft prospects on the board from a quarterback position. Gets hurt. Now Now he decides he's going to return to school, but it's not going to be at NC State. Where, by the way, Joey, we had mentioned this on this podcast, like, Leary wasn't exactly lighting it up in the passing offense at NC State before he got hurt. Right. So this might be something that is maybe just good for good for all sides right it's gonna be a new Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator if you're looking at it from Leary's standpoint right if he stayed at NC State it was gonna be a new offensive coordinator anyway right in Robert and I 
And you look at that and you're like, well, Robert and I tends to excel the quarterbacks who both run and throw. Leary's not really that guy, right? He's more of a pocket passer. Liam Cohen, meanwhile, excels, has clearly excelled at the college level with a pocket passer, right? And Will Levis. I mean, Levis doesn't run the ball a ton. Um, so this is kind of a, a logical move if you're thinking about it from Devin Leary's standpoint. Mm-hmm. Going to Kentucky, it's a new offensive coordinator, but it's a coordinator that probably better fits your skill set. And then from NC State's standpoint, you mentioned this before we hit record, this might make some sense for NC State too, right? I mean, they have MJ Morris who, you know, played a decent amount towards the end of the year. I know he got banged up, but he's clearly the quarterback of the future there. And I think he will be a good scheme fit for Robert and I's system where, you know, and I obviously developed Brian Armstrong. Um, he, he had Garrett Schrader playing pretty well for Syracuse this year, um, both running and throwing. MJ Morris can also be that guy, right? He's not a power runner, but he's a guy who can definitely get outside the pocket and make some plays with his feet. I think this is probably a good fit for all parties. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking. I think that's fair. And, and like you said, I mean, I, this is one of those things. Devin Leary has been at NC State for how long now? I mean, he was he was slated yeah. to be the starter in the 2020 COVID season. I, I think he was that was his second year on campus, too. So, like, he's been in Raleigh for a long time. And sometimes these things just sort of run their course and you're ready for, for new scenery and something different. I don't think you can blame him for that necessarily. It would have been it would have been year five next season for yeah. Larry at NC State. So So the timing just seems like it was right. You know, I I understand, you know, a new offensive coordinator, maybe that's something new. I think he had, I think that was Tim Beck the whole time that he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you're gonna get something new either way, but again, maybe just a change of scenery and that kind of thing will be good for him. I will say the one thing that that would concern me a little bit is Kentucky, as, as Mark Stoops has kind of built them up, one of the big things that was kind of a, a signature thing for them was their offensive line was really, mm-hmm. really good. Um, and, and their offensive line coach, who was, was kind of running that whole development Charming. thing, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he unfortunately tragically passed away there a, a year or two ago, I think late in the season. And ever since then, it, it seems like that offensive line just hasn't quite been the same. It's it's kind of coming back down to earth a little bit, you know. It's it's not bad, but it's not nearly as good as it once was. And for a guy like Leary who isn't really all that mobile, I worry about, you know, how will that work for him? You know, will they be able to protect yeah. him, especially as they go up against an SEC East kind of schedule where they're going to see a lot of really good pass rushes on a weekly basis? So that's I mean, that's the one thing to keep out, keep an eye out for. I think uh, in my mind with Devin Leary, they were definitely better in in the run game than they were in the passing game in terms of protecting their quarterback. Um, I know that Kentucky was one of, ranked one of the worst. I don't know where they ended up finishing, but it was like eight or nine games into the year. They were one of the worst teams in the Power Five in terms of protecting the quarterback. So, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, that's a point well taken. And I think if that doesn't improve and you think about Leary, who's not really a mobile quarterback, I think that's definitely something to consider and that you know maybe that is something that would kind of ruin the fit. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. It hurt Levis. I mean, it hurt Levis this year, sure. I think. He'll still end up being a top. I think he'll probably be the one, one of the first quarterbacks taken off the board, but that says more about the draft class, in my opinion, than Will Levis lighting it up. I mean, he, he did not play great this year. I was going to say, that's a that's a discussion for another podcast, I think, yeah. is uh, yeah. Will Levis high-end quarterback prospect for the NFL. But, um, yeah. you know, so we, we can leave that where it is. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, his successor does look to be Devin Leary of NC State. So uh, we'll, we'll kind of... Be interesting to monitor how that goes for him in Lexington moving forward. Yeah. Mike, let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about recruiting. And you brought this up. And we've, you know, historically in this podcast, we've never really been a a recruiting-centric, like, kind of show. We don't really track it that closely. Couldn't tell you a whole lot of the individual names. We're we're not really apologetic about that. Like, we know, we kind of know what we are and what our, uh, you know, what our our skill set is. We know where our yes. Exactly, exactly. But... But we can talk about it at least at a little bit of a high level here. And, Mike, there was one school in the ACC that I think has, has very clearly been lighting it up on the recruiting trail uh-huh. the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, closed strongly going into uh, National Signing Day here earlier this week. Mike, tell, tell me about Miami's recruiting. <laughs> uh, so I, a lot of people are going to have the, a similar reaction to the one that producer Scott had, who's, who's not here today. He's working. Um, producer Scott said to us, Joey, Miami's always been recruiting well. Like, show it to me on the field. Valid. Valid point. Very valid point. That continues to be the case, by the way. What Mm -hmm. I want to point out is Miami has finished early signing day. We sit here recording the day after early signing day. 
with the f- number four class in the country mm-hmm. and the top class in the ACC. Yep. They have not had a top five class, Joey. Maybe it, maybe it finishes in you know top six or something by the time it's all said and done. Pretty good chance they finish in the top five, though. They have not had a recruiting like recru- recruiting class like this in quite some time. Yeah, quite some time, right? So that's fair. I agree. All the things we're saying about the on-field product with Miami remains to be the case, right? Um, all the issues that they've had with their past coaches and the fact that we've all said they haven't been recruiting poorly enough to be playing like this and you know struggling to make a bowl game and in this year's case not making a bowl game like the team's not that bad the roster's not that bad and you and i have preached culture 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 which is something that cristobal obviously has work cut out for coming into the situation um we knew that there was going to have to be a flip in the culture but where Cristobal, I think, is elevating this program in ways that Mark Rick and Manny Diaz were unable to is what he's able to do on the recruiting trail. It's a reason why he built Oregon into one of the best programs in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. What's notable here, Joey, is that as we sit here recording today, Miami has a better class than Oregon. And Oregon closed strong yesterday, getting like a four-star prospect and then flipping a five-star prospect, Peyton Bowen, big-time safety from Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So Oregon closed strong and still finished behind Miami. Uh, and their old coach in Cristobal. I think that's mm-hmm. pretty significant. Now, where does this kind of stack up moving forward, and you know, specifically to Miami, in terms of like how does this project right a- as a team? I think this is significant because they have not recruited at this high of a clip in a really, really, really long time. Right? I thought Cristobal coming in was a two-step process. It was elevate the recruiting to levels that Miami was capable of, which I think top five classes at Miami, I think that's doable, clearly. And then number two, flipping the culture, right? Which is something that, you know, I think Cristobal was starting to do when, you know, towards the end of the year, he said, you know, to parents of the kids, look, if you want to come pick your kids up and they say they want to go home, go ahead and go home. Probably mm-hmm. because he knew he was going to sign a top five or six class in the country. He knew yeah. the guys he was, you know, he was closing in on on the recruiting trail. So he's starting to flip the culture. We talked to Cam about this. Cam said a full roster reset probably wouldn't hurt. I think they're obviously in the, in the process of doing that. And this is a really good first step, first full cycle as the head coach being able to pull in at worst a top six class right now, saying number four in the country. I. Yeah, I mean, point well taken. Like you said, I mean, there were two things that needed to happen here. The first thing's definitely happening. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, as you said, Miami has always recruited pretty well, but this is improved. Um, This is recruiting even better than before. So that's a good thing. It's the other piece that that culture change. It's to me, that's less measurable. Mm -hmm. That's something that, you know, really, and I think honestly, the the way you're going to see it measured is wins and losses on the field. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's about the only way you're going to know if this is actually changing culture-wise. Um, and you, you mentioned, I mean, I'm kind of with producer Scott on this. Like, I, I see this as like a top five recruiting class, and it is, you know, that much better than it's ever been, and blah, 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 blah. But, like, I just, I need to see it. Yeah. Like, how many games this year did Miami play that they had a better roster? They had better players, and, and noticeably so. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And yeah. that was a Cristobal coach team. Yeah. Right? Like, that was this coaching staff. Yep. So, this is a big deal for sure. I mean, pulling in three five-star prospects. Two in the um, top ten. Yeah. Uh, two t- two five-star offensive linemen. Uh, no surprise that those guys would want to go play for Mario Cristobal. But right. uh, just, I mean, really high-end recruiting here. And that's great for Miami. And, and I think that's a big deal. But uh, at the end of the day, I mean, this has to translate to results on the field. And some of the stuff that we saw from Miami down the stretch this season was was so underwhelming yeah. that I'm 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 we'll say cautiously optimistic here. I, I am not letting myself jump in with both feet on uh, on Miami. All of a sudden, the you being back, Mike. Oh no 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 no! And I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying that either. Uh, also, I think we need to point out that Chris Ball recruited well at Oregon, mm-hmm. and he still couldn't really beat Utah. So they I kind think of that's... found a glass ceiling there, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, like. We were talking about the Cristobal hires maybe being best for both parties if, you know, both moved on from each other. There's mm-hmm. a reason why we were talking in that context. It's because Cristobal was recruiting really well at Oregon, and he was seemed like he was capped out at 9 or 10 wins, you know? Did kind of seem that way. Yeah. Um, no college football playoff appearances under Cristobal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chip Kelly even got them there. Mm-hmm. I just, you know. 
So, I mean, I, th- I think that's that's fair, too. I'm definitely not. I, I want to plant my flag here, Joey. I am not declaring that the U is back. That's not what I'm doing here. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, this is notable because Miami is not recruited at this level in a long time. And everybody's going to be mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, it's always recruiting. Show me it on the field. Agree. Yep. But also, they have not recruited like this. So, it needs to be pointed out. It has not been top five classes at Miami, and they haven't been proven it. It's been, like, top 15 classes, in some cases top 10 classes, not being able to prove it on the field. Right. Now, what's the difference between a top 10 class and a top 5 class? A couple more 5 stars that could yeah. make a difference in a big-time football game, right? But a couple of difference you, makers. Yeah, A couple of difference makers. Now, before you even get to that point, you you got to win close games with the guys who are already on your roster, all the 4 stars, right? you got to win. Mm-hmm. you got to be beating Duke and Georgia Tech, and you got to be beating those teams first. So right. I get that, but I want to point that out. Miami, as you mentioned, number 4 nationally right now mm-hmm. uh, by the 247. Uh, recruiting rankings uh, Clemson number 11 nationally is the mm. uh, second best mm. in the ACC 11 you say seems I mean that's good right but maybe a little pedestrian it's good for a lot of schools not named Clemson <laughs> Clemson is recruiting at a level I mean hey Clemson's recruiting recruiting at the level like Notre Dame's recruiting at where they're really comfortable like winning 10 11 12 games a year and then taking an early exit in the college football playoff that's the level they're recruiting at so you reap what you sow. Uh, no arguments here. Yep. No arguments here. Florida State, number 20 overall nationally. North Carolina, number 26. Louisville, number 30. Uh, and then kind of teams go from there. Smaller I class want... for Florida State, too. Just want to slide that right. in. A little smaller class. And, and 20th nationally with only 16 players uh, signed and committed. I mean, that's not, that's bad. not a bad place to be. That's, nope. that's a lot of good quality. Um, did want to take this time, Mike, You know, as we talk about a couple of these. I, I think it's kind of interesting to check in real quick on a couple of these programs, just with kind of the first full recruiting class with new coaching staffs. Um, the, the first one here being, again, well, other than Miami, the next one here being Virginia Tech, yeah. uh, number six in the ACC, and I believe 37th nationally? Yeah. Uh, 35th, sorry. Yeah, they've been jumping around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty solid first class here for, for Brent Pry. Yeah, first full class. I, I like this for one key reason half of the class they have 26 commits about four about 13 i think it's 12 have officially signed and then one is hard committed he's planning to sign in february it's an academic thing from what i understand mm-hmm. long and short of it is 13 of the 26 commits are from the state of virginia hmm. that is notable shift right they, they have How many had from texas <laughs> well, they actually do. Have, they, they well, they went to get uh, Chiron Drones, a transfer from Baylor from Texas. Mm. So I want, want to mention so that. Got to keep that pipeline open. Got to keep that Texas to VT <laughs> pipeline open. It works so well. Hopefully, this one works a little bit better. Mm. Uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of schools that are local to Virginia, though, right? Um, in and around Virginia, a lot of Maryland, a lot of Tennessee in this class, some North Carolina, some Maryland. They have a couple of couple of random guys in there. Asen Stevens, he's a high three-star linebacker from Indianapolis. Not too, too far from Blacksburg, by the way. I just want to point that out. And then um, they have a kid from Massachusetts as well committed to. So it's it's a lot of local to Virginia. Um, I know Brent Pry, I think moving forward, would really like to start recruiting Pennsylvania pretty hard as well, just given he's coming from Penn State where he had a long tenure there. He's got relationships in those high schools. I get that. But they've been preaching footprint, 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 you know? So got to be right. kind of within – it's got to be a player that they really, really like to get outside of driving distance from Blacksburg, like within, you know, four or five hours. So um, that's not keeping them from going to get guys in Florida, but you're not seeing a lot of Florida guys in this class. They right. really want to be the premier school in Virginia. And when you look at kind of the schools that, you know, kids have been recruited out of in Virginia – you know they're going to Penn State with some of the top recruiting classes in the country. They're they're going to North Carolina. You know Florida mm-hmm. State has recruited Virginia pretty well. Clemson has recruited Virginia p- pretty well. So, you know Brent Price said yesterday, coming out of the press conference, you know after National Signing Day, he said, "I think we can win an ACC championship w- by putting a heavy priority on the state of Virginia." Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with him. I mean, that's how Frank Be- – it's a different time now, but that's how Frank Beamer built his programs. It was primarily out of the 757, the Richmond area as well, um, and Northern Virginia. That's where he got a majority of his players, and Tech put together some pretty good rosters under Frank Beamer, right? Sent a sure lot of guys did. to the NFL. So I think, it's, I think it's notable that Brent Pry is reestablishing the relationships 
with some of the key high schools in Virginia, namely Highland Springs out of Richmond. Mm -hmm. They send a ton of kids, four stars, a lot of four stars, uh, to big-time colleges and eventually to the NFL. They are winning state championships at Highland Springs in Richmond. He's tapped in. He's got like three or four players out of Highland Springs High School in this recruiting class. Fuente wasn't doing that, right? So the long and short of it, Joey, is that it's a top 40 class. It was, you know, he at one point he was just inside the top 30 with this class until a lot of kids got signed yesterday. They didn't have, I mean, the guys that he had verbally committed, they stayed committed. There weren't any flips yesterday, like away from Virginia Tech on signing day, which tended mm-hmm. to be a thing that was happening under Fuente. So yeah. that's significant. That's significant. Top 40 yeah. class. I think it's good. And I mean, sixth in the ACC, again, like you said, a top 40 class. I mean, I think that's, that's a pretty good starting point for yes. Brent Fry. Yeah. Um, you'd like to see him continue to build on it. You know, this is, you'd, you would hope that this isn't like the high point, the high right. watermark of his recruiting at Virginia Tech. But, right. you know, I think this is a really good starting point. I agree. Duke is 10th in the ACC and 49th nationally. Once again, I mean, I think that's pretty solid for Mike Elko with what Duke has been historically recruiting. Uh, first full class. I, I don't know that there's a ton of high-end talent, but there seems to be a lot of depth here. And I think this is a pretty good first first class for Mike Elko. Peyton Jones, who I think is a little bit of an overlooked prospect out of Maury High School in Norfolk, mm-hmm. uh, he can go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he can he can go, Joey. So Duke has historically had some pretty good running backs. Um, you know, under Cutcliffe, he had a few years where he had some really good running backs there, and yeah. Duke relied heavily on the running game. That's something that clearly Mike Elko wants to do, and I think getting Peyton Jones at the top of your class as a pretty good running back out of the Tidewater area of Virginia, I think is pretty significant. And like you said, not a lot of like top end talent, but in terms of rankings, but he's getting a lot of kids from North Carolina, which is important. Uh, he landed a running back at a college station who could have easily gone to Texas A&M. He ends up at Duke. So I think Elko, you know, clearly pulling from past experience down at A&M, like using some contacts there. Elko, I think is going to recruit pretty well at Duke. By the time mm-hmm. it's all said and done, I really do. I think he'll, I think he'll be doing pretty well there for you know, the restrictions that are in place at Duke academically and everything else. Right. Yeah, that's a program that you might never really see like top half of the ACC recruiting, but tenth. I mean, get you pretty close. There's only 14 teams, you know. Like there's, so right. I, I think that's that's pretty good if if Duke is able to approach kind of that that middle. And when yeah. you start looking at the, the scoring and stuff, I mean, they're really not far from, right. from jumping a couple other schools. And so, um, like you said, I mean, that's, I think that's, that's a good place for them to be, at least here, starting out that, that tenure. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, they just got to be a good developmental school, and I think that's where Elko has clearly put them. I mean, it's, he inherited a roster that didn't make a bowl game, and year one he had them in a bowl game, right? right. So it's like, that's what you want. That's, that's all good signs. All good yeah. signs. Last one here, Mike, at 13th in the ACC and 62nd <laughs> nationally. Mm-hmm. It is our friends, the Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't want to forget, you know, the, the, the tragedy that they continue to right. go through as a program. Like, right. I don't – I'm not ignoring that. I'm just no. – this is accumulation of, of a full year's worth of, of recruiting and, and results and those kinds of things. And so I look at that and I look at this – and I, I think back to what was the sales pitch for bringing in Tony Elliott and this staff, and I thought the idea was that they'd be able to recruit pretty well. Yeah. I don't know that at Virginia this really qualifies as recruiting particularly well, Mike. No, I mean, the best the best recruiter they've had in the last decade was Mike London, mm-hmm. and he couldn't develop anybody. Right. Yeah. So... Bronco this... was recruiting better than this. Right, right. And again, like... It's your first full cycle, so you don't expect this to be a finished product. However, we just named a handful of schools in front of Virginia where they're competing, I would say, for similar type players in some cases, right? In, mm-hmm. in Virginia, Virginia Tech especially. And you're not getting those guys, right? right. So, like, even Duke... Virginia is in competition with Virginia Tech and Duke for some three-star guys in any given recruiting class. Sure. The difference is that Duke and Virginia Tech landed those guys, and Virginia did not. 
Right. You couple this with the fact that Brent Pry in his, you know, he had been on the job for six weeks. He flipped two guys last year from UVA away from Tony Elliott to Virginia Tech. He flipped an offensive tackle and he flipped a defensive lineman, Brody Meadows and Keyshawn Burgos. Mm -hmm. He flipped two guys from UVA. It just seems like there's momentum elsewhere at other first-year programs, and I don't want to include Miami in this bucket because they recruit an entirely different level than the other schools we're mentioning here. But between Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Duke, all in similar first-year situations, Duke and Virginia Tech are clearly making strides both on the field and in recruiting. Even if you want to argue that Duke, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, is on a similar level as UVA, that's fine. But if you look at the on-field product in year one, there's no question that Duke's in a better place right now than UVA. Yes. So I think in totality, in totality, I think both Virginia Tech and Duke, even with Virginia Tech's poor record on the field this year, they were similar to UVA in that regard. Duke and Virginia Tech are kind of a half step to a full step ahead of UVA, in my opinion, when you look at the full body of work at this point, recruiting and kind of in coaching in, right. in Duke's case. Right. I think, you know, like you said, I mean, this is a, a first full class, you know, Tony Elliott and that staff have been in place for a year now. So it's not necessarily a finished product. You know, you can and maybe should be able to do better than this. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, this is the, the time in the tenure, I think, for Jeff Collins that it was like he got his best recruiting class after that first year. Right. And, and part of what you can do, even when you're getting bad results on the field, is saying, well, this was the last staff's group of, of guys. You mm -hmm. know, we're trying to bring in our guys that are going to you know, be able to elevate this program. And you can kind of build the hype and, you know, use buzzwords and whatever, whether they mean something or not, who cares? But like you had the opportunity to build some hype and say, well, you know, we're going to revolutionize this program, all that. And I don't get the impression that it really happened. Um, I don't know that no. they took that opportunity and the results certainly aren't anything uh, really mind blowing here. Right. So I, I'm definitely uh, something to be concerned about. I think, I think so too. And I, I think it would be a little bit less concerning, right? If UVA had a similar record to Duke this year, mm -hmm. where you look at Duke's recruiting class, you're like, yep, probably not like what you want the ceiling to be recruiting wise, but Hey, we just went to a bowl game near one. Yeah. <laughs> so no problem. Right. Likewise with Virginia tech and Virginia tech was finishing like, you know, borderline top 60 in recruiting and then just won three games. I would have been like, Oh, well, and of course tech didn't play the last one for obvious reasons, but mm -hmm. you know, I'd be talking about in a similar regard that I am to Virginia. Like, okay, the product on the field isn't any good and the product off the field recruiting wise is very good. So like, what are we doing here? Exactly. And it's early, but it's just something we want to monitor. And it's something mm -hmm. that we, you and I talked about when this Elliott hire was made. Yep, exactly, exactly. So something we'll keep an eye on. Um, Mike, ultimately, I think we'll probably come back at the, the February signing day and yep. maybe hit on this a little bit more thoroughly. Really just kind of wanted to take the opportunity with, with what Miami had done, wanted to touch on that, and then you know, kind of along those lines, here's what some of the other first full recruiting classes were looking like. Um, so we can come back here in a couple of months, really, and I guess really like six weeks or something, and, and revisit kind of the rest of the conference. Uh, we haven't forgotten about the recruiting work that everyone else is doing, but right. uh, we do have other things to move on to. So let's do that, Mike. We have seven more bowl games for the ACC that we need to preview. As we record this, there's only been one so far. We told you that it was a bad spot for Louisville. Didn't think that they were going to care, and then they just ran all over Cincinnati and won that game. So <laughs> yeah. If that tells you yeah. anything about what we know about these games. Um, so take everything you hear here with a, with a grain of salt. Yeah. But, uh, Mike, let's do these in chronological order. So we'll start with the, uh, the game coming up soonest, and we will work our way to the final game of bowl season for the ACC, the Orange Bowl. Yep. The first game that we have here at 2 o'clock on December the 28th, it is the Military Bowl presented by Periton. I don't know what Periton is. I'm guessing that's some military contractor. Uh, Mike, we have the Duke Blue Devils taking on the UCF Knights. This is at the the Navy the Naval Academy's football stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Duke currently a three point favorite. Total is sixty two and a half. And yeah, Mike, when I when we did the last episode and did the first couple of previews, I told you I felt like there was a lot of spots here in the ACC that I I felt good about. Uh, or I felt you know pretty strongly like it was either a good spot or a bad spot for the ACC's team, and I I kind of felt like I know which way I want to bet this. Uh, this is one for sure. I think this is a game as we talked about Duke coming off of a good season. I think they're pretty fired up. 
Um, I, I think they'll be excited to be here. They, everyone thought they were going to be like a three-win team kind of thing. Yep. They're an eight-win team. They're playing uh-huh. in the Military Bowl, taking on a UCF team, a team from Orlando, coming up to Annapolis in late December mm-hmm. that just lost their conference championship game. I think that that's a program that at this point has somewhat higher dreams than the Military Bowl. Yep. I don't think UCF is going to want to be here at all. Nope. I think I like Duke here big. Like if you I can find an alt Duke. line, Duke minus seven, Duke minus ten. I yeah. think Duke should run away with this game. I love Duke here, and mm-hmm. I am I'm one hundred percent with you. I love Duke in this spot. Duke's got a really good rushing defense, Joey. Mm-hmm. And the one thing about UCF is they prefer to run the football because John Reese Plumley is a little mid through the air. He's not great <laughs> as a passer, right? That's one so way of putting it, yeah. <laughs> they like to they like to run the ball with their running backs, and they like to run the ball with their quarterback. And Duke's rushing defense, I feel like they've seen that a lot this year, and they're up to the task to stop that offensive attack, Joey. Yep. Couple that with everything you just mentioned about a team from Central Florida that's playing, that's practicing in you know mid seventies weather in December, coming up to Maryland, Annapolis, Maryland for that matter. Mm-hmm. Cold, cloudy, gray skies a couple days after Christmas. Maybe you get the sun out; it'll be like forty degrees. Yeah, that's not the greatest spot for a bunch of kids playing their football all season in Orlando. I hate Current that. forecast showing thirty-seven degrees, I believe, for this game. Beautiful, yeah, beautiful. <laughs> That's football weather up here, up here in the mid-Atlantic. Um, mm-hmm. I I love Duke here, man. Yeah, Riley Leonard and what he's been able to do offensively for Duke this year. I think this is a really, really good spot for the Blue Devils. I'm with you. I think Duke wins this game by a touchdown, maybe more. I don't mind taking them as a three-point favorite. If it remains a three, if I haven't bet this yet, by the way, but if it remains, you know, somewhere around a field goal, I'm probably taking Duke here. So mm-hmm. I love the Blue Devils. I'm 1,000% with you on this. Yep, yep. The one other thing I'll say about UCF, too, I mean, you see a 9-4 and four team from the AAC that played for their conference championship. Right. I feel like that is uh, that is a lot of credit for what the, the team quality actually is yeah, on the field. They need a quarterback bad, buddy. I, I don't think they're actually all that good. They um, need a quarterback. I, they're good. They're good at a lot of positions. They're not very good at the most important position. And I think once they improve that, Gus Malzahn will be fine once again. Mm-hmm. But until they get that figured out, it's going to be a problem. I mean, that was the loss that got Jeff Collins fired from Georgia Tech back in mm-hmm. September. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking during that game, like, man, if Tech had their stuff together at all, they would have won this game. Like, they, yeah. like, UCF is beatable for sure. Yeah. And so with all the other context that we threw in there, I, I like Duke in this spot a lot. Yeah, I mean, they lose their conference championship to Tulane. They lost a game to East Carolina two weeks before the end of the year. They lose to Navy in a total mm-hmm. head scratch. That's a bad Navy team, by the way. They went 4-8 and eight this year. That was at home against Navy, by the way. They don't have to yeah. return to the scene of that crime. No. Scored <laughs> scored two touchdowns at home against Navy, who's not very good. I mm-hmm. just I, I don't like UCF here at all. I don't like yep. him here at all. Bad spot. Yep. So Duke minus the three. And, you know, the thing that I'm also noticing in bowl season so far is it seems like if favorites win, they they cover and buy a lot. Yeah. And if, uh, if favorites don't cover, it seems like the underdog is winning outright. So yeah, you might consider either underdog money lines or favorite like alt lines. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. These games so far, a lot of them have not really been particularly close. One team no. is winning by a lot. Right. Agree. Yep. So something to consider here as well, I think, with Duke. But Yeah, definitely. Uh, later that day, uh, by the way, this game was on ESPN. Uh, later that day, it is the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Hell um, yeah. That is a mouthful. At 8 o'clock on Fox, once again on December 28th, it is the North Carolina Tar Heels taking on the number 15 Oregon Ducks. This is being played at Petco Park, which is where the Padres play in San Diego. Uh, I don't want to talk about the Padres right now. It's <laughs> a Red Sox fan. Continue. Uh-huh. They're, yeah, they're, probably, they're having an offseason there. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna take Devers from me here in about nine months, too. Mm-hmm. Ten months. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. It sucks being a fan of a poverty franchise like the like the Red Sox who can't afford things. <laughs> can't, but... can't afford, yeah. Don't want to pay for anybody. You and I can scrape together more money for free agents. Yeah, exactly. Uh, North Carolina in this game. <laughs> okay, so this line, Mike, I think this line opened at Oregon minus like nine, minus yeah. ten. It is now Dude. Oregon minus 14 and a half yeah. with a total of 73. Yeah. I, when I originally looked at this game and I saw what that line was, I mm-hmm. really liked Oregon. Mm-hmm. Not only that it's gone past 10, but that it's gone past 14. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I'm a little less sure. Yeah, me too. But I am very confident that uh, that Oregon will end up winning this game. Um, I, this to me is a is not a good spot for North Carolina no. at all. Terrible spot for the Ducks. Or I'm sorry for the Tar Heels. I I think Oregon wins this game. 14 and a half is a ton of points for mm-hmm. a team that can score like Carolina can score. Now again, big reason why they're playing in the Holiday Bowl and not in a bigger bowl game like in a New Year's Six game is because they can't score in the red zone anymore. Right. So that's something I want to note here. If they're able to score more touchdowns in the red zone in this football game after taking like a month off, you know, uh, from gameplay, obviously, I think that maybe Carolina can keep this closer, maybe get this to within a touchdown game, have a shot at the end, right? Yep. If they don't finish drives in the red zone against this Oregon defense, they're not going to be competitive here. No. Oregon's defense is pretty good. And Dan Lanning, obviously defensive guy coming over from Mm -hmm. Georgia, Oregon probably should have been a couple wins better than they ended up. They were playing at a top seven or eight level for most of the season. They were yeah. really, really they, – they had a really good year. Bo Nix is now coming back to school next year, which if you get some Heisman odds on Bo Nix, I'd take a look at that, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so proven quarterback, good defense. Carolina's got a proven quarterback, and that's about it. Josh Downs, I don't – he – He's not playing in this bowl game. That's significant. I was going to say, he's sitting out. He's sitting out. So it's Drake May and, you know, all the receivers not named Josh Downs. And then a mediocre defense going up against a, a pretty good Oregon offense here. So I, I like the Ducks to win. 14 and a half is a ton of points, so I'm probably staying away from the spread if it continues to be that high. Yeah. Um, by the way, again, from, from the Vibes standpoint, first-year head coach in mm-hmm. Dan Landing here for Oregon. I think he'll, yeah. he'll be fired up. Uh, Oregon, Bo Nix, again, we thought was maybe going to go to the draft uh, or something, but he's announced that he's coming back. Your your star quarterback coming back, good thing. Team will be fired up, rally around him, I'd imagine. Yeah, yep. North Carolina, you mentioned Josh Downs not playing. Um, I don't know who's calling plays on offense. Yeah, that's a good Phil point. Phil Longo's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went to, to Wisconsin. I don't. I can't imagine that he would stick around to call plays for the Holiday Bowl. <laughs> no, I don't think so. A little different than New Year's Six game. Yeah. North Carolina having lost three in a row coming in. I mean, just the vibes are bad here for North Carolina. Yeah. Like, the vibes are good yeah. for Oregon. Like you said, I mean, it's a huge line. I probably wouldn't actually uh, wager on that at this, at this point. Right. But... I like Oregon, uh, and I also kind of like the under, actually. Uh, total 73. Again, if North Carolina is not going to score on their chances, mm-hmm. I don't think Oregon's scoring 50 points in this game. No. So, you know, I, I think I would like I would kind of lean with the under there. I think um, so, too. I think but, so, too. Um, Oregon, I mean, top 15 team, like uh, ranked number 15 right now, and uh, I think they're a, they're a pretty complete team. So I, I think I think they're, they're in a better spot right now than North Carolina is. Yeah, I'm with you. With you. So, all right, that does it for the December 28th bowl games. Mike, before we move on to the 29th, let's remind the people real quick about Section103.com, the Internet's premier place to buy all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel, such as this shirt. It is a performance shirt. It's the uh, nice. Tech. It's got the, uh, the football there in, uh, representing Atlanta and the state of Georgia. Uh, I love it. It is one of my newer shirts from them. Um, it is incredibly comfortable. It looks great. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, things for men, women, children, uh, things with the official tech gold, all the official word marks, including the ATL logo. Uh, They've got some stickers that are pretty neat. Uh, A lot of really great things at section103.com. Football season, of course, wrapping up. But if you're going to basketball games this fall or this winter, uh, if you're going to baseball games in the spring, going to support other Georgia Tech teams, you know, make sure you load up on some section103.com to wear to those games. And use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order at section103.com. Mike, if you are forgetting any any last-minute holiday gifts, Mm -hmm. which – I mean, it's probably too late by now, but, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe trying to get some late discounts, something like that. Go to section103.com for all the Georgia Tech fans in your life or anyone else that might just want to support Georgia Tech. I was thinking we'd get the coach hoodie for the guy who ended up in our reviews that said they gave us like one star and say he was sick of hearing this review or the, mm-hmm. he was sick of hearing the, um, the ad read that we do. So I was I mean, thinking clearly, that maybe I get him the coach hoodie. I mean, clearly my man has not been ordering and wearing his section103.com wear because no. uh, if he did, he would understand the hype around that stuff. Yeah, guy's grouchy. <laughs> he's a he's a Grinch. He's a Grinch. Grinch yes, yes. The Grinch stole go. Christmas from there 103. Such a there we go. Uh, well, if he does want to steal Christmas, he should use promo code GOACC for 10% off his first order from section103.com. Appreciate Steven and the gang for their partnership this year. Yep. 
Mike, on December 29th at 2 p.m. on ESPN, it is the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. I like that Bad Boy Mowers is like reinvested in their bowl games or trying to work their way up the, the ladder here. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, it is the Syracuse Orange taking on the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, Minnesota, a 10 point favorite. Total is 42. This game is being played at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. Um, I. Why do sure. we keep doing this? I don't know. We, we've now played games at Fenway. We got one coming up at Petco Park, like you mentioned. Now we got one at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx. And what I will say is Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl is no Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. That's all I'll say about that. That's exactly right. It's not yeah. the same, Mike. It's not, not the, the same. same. Not the same. Um, for those keeping score at home, by the way, um, if, you, if you sit down and watch all of the ACC's bowl games, three of the first five games that you watch will be played in baseball stadiums. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for all mm-hmm. involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mike, not a good spot for Syracuse. Terrible spot for Syracuse. Sean Tucker, I don't believe, is playing. He declared for the NFL draft since we last recorded. We probably should have mentioned that off the top. Yes. Yeah, that's a big deal, Um, especially if he's not playing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Speaking of, I don't know who's calling plays for Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. On either side of the ball. Right. Right. uh, There's that. Minnesota, I think, just a a big physical team that – I think maybe if Syracuse is playing this, you know, this matchup in September, maybe it goes a little differently. But I think with right. the way that that defense has gotten worn down and, and banged up through the year, I'm not sure that they can manage 60 minutes of, of Minnesota's offense just leaning on them. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's a reason that Minnesota's favored by 10 here. I like the Golden Gophers. Me too. I, I think it would benefit Syracuse if they could get Rocky Long to call plays on defense for this bowl game, which they won't. <laughs> but it's probably yeah. something they should do. Good hire, by the way. Didn't mention that. Good hire for Syracuse. Oh, I missed that. Did they hire Rocky Long? Yeah, they hired defense? Rocky. Yeah, they hired Rocky Long on Ooh. defense, so they get to keep the three three five with the godfather of the three three five. I mm-hmm. love the hire. That's that was a uh, that was Tony White's mentor. Mm-hmm. That's a really good hire. I, I missed good hire. that. Wow. Yeah, good, good job, hire. Dino. We mentioned that Dino needed to hit the, hit a home run with both the hires, offensively and defensively. He at least hit one with the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He sure did. Rocky Long, yeah, has been associated with some really, really good defenses. And like mm-hmm. you said, kind of one of the, the godfathers of that three three five they've been running the last few years. So yep. that's a great hire. Yep. Not sure it's going to make a difference in the pinstripe. No, it's not. Yeah, I love Minnesota <laughs> here. <laughs> Give me the Gophers. I think they win. I think they cover 10. I think it's a bad spot for Syracuse. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Total of 42, um, probably the under. And I, I think I was listening to uh, Steve and the Bear and mm-hmm. uh, and their final podcast before the Bear leaves for, for Fox. Terrible. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, kind of crazy. But um, they did mention this also might be one to look at, like, Syracuse team total under. Mm-hmm. Um, if, you know, that, I think the implied team total would be around, like, 16 points. Uh-huh. And I, I, I kind of agree with the analysis that they might not get to 17. Yeah. They're going to have some trouble scoring here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as they say, I mean, it's it's. You, you should probably take unders when you're playing in pitchers' parks, Mike. Because it yeah. tends to, just, you know, <laughs> yeah, tends yeah. to minimize the scoring. Yeah, I wish I wish we used that advice. I don't even know if we talked about the total in the Fenway Bowl, but we probably should have taken our own advice. You know, when they're they're unable to put one team on one of the sidelines because there's not enough room, you should probably mm-hmm. just take the under in that game. That should be like principle. Well, I mean, I guess it, it depends here. Is is the uh, is the the field oriented to where one of the end zones is in that right field short porch, or is it in the left field, like a little bit tougher to hit the ball out situation? Yeah, that's why I think there's an asterisk <laughs> by Aaron Judge's 62 home run season because you hit basically just like a, a just a, a regular fly ball to right field is probably going to sell out of the park. So exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, we all know who the real home run king is. I mean, right? you and I, you and I, <laughs> maybe you and I could hit home runs out right field. That's right. That is true. That yeah. is true. All right. Yeah, Minnesota, I think, is the play here. I, yeah. I don't like this setup set up for Syracuse at all. Uh, no, this, this is going to go poorly for the Orange. Moving on later in December the 29th, it is at 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. It is the Cheez-It Bowl, Mike. It is the f- number 13 Florida State Seminoles taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. <laughs> Joey, State, yes. Joey, I don't mean to cut you off. Do you have the soundboard prepared today? Uh, I do not. Oh, can, that's... We can see what we, what we might have working. Uh, okay, okay. Continue. I'm sorry. Um, is there is there something? Do you need something locked? I need. I need. Yeah. You know how you were talking about like you got to have. Uh, continue previewing the game. We didn't even talk about where it is when it is. Continue. <laughs> this is at Camping World Stadium. It's actually a football stadium. Believe it yes. or not. Um, yep. Florida State is a nine and a half point favorite. Total is sixty five and a half. Uh, this game is in as we said Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> Florida State, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock hey, it up. Hey, how about that? Hey. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. I, uh, yeah. Come on. I mean, come on. Come on. Why is Oklahoma in this bowl game? I, I, they, I guess beating Oklahoma State in Bedlam. Uh, sure. Got them to six wins. They are a 6-6 six and six team and have been wholly underwhelming this year. Yeah. This is not going to go well. Mm-mm. Speaking of yeah, good vibes on the Florida State sideline, Jordan Travis coming back for next year. Team f- finished on a heater. I mean, they've won how many games in a row? Uh, I mean, closed out the season very strong, playing very well, all that. Oklahoma, as we said, I mean, just totally underwhelming all year. Um, I, I think actually they started maybe 3-0, looked really great after that Nebraska win, and then proceeded to lose like six of their final nine games. Yeah. So plus yeah, not great. plus I put Jordan Travis on my way too early uh, 2023 Heisman list for Sports Illustrated. So yep. yeah, he's on he's on there. So vibes are high. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think this is a Florida State easy. Um, a lot of these games, you know, with with kind of bigger spreads here right now. Um, Lean into them. I think so. Yeah, I think so. This is a game. I, I I think Florida State gets rolling here a little bit. I think Oklahoma might have a little bit of quit in them. Um, I mean, when you yeah. get beat forty nine to nothing by your main rival, yeah, that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you lose to West Virginia the way that they did, that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I'm just I'm very unimpressed with Oklahoma this year. Yeah. So yeah, give me Florida State minus the nine and a half and uh, sixty five and a half. I don't know. That's fine. Maybe over. Maybe. But um, I agree with that, and we'll see if the the sound will work one more time. What do you think? It probably won't work, but I think you should lock it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, let's see how we do. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. Surprise. You lock it up. Wow. Lock it up. Lock it up. Please. Played twice. Look at it's that. Christmas Shout out Riverside, miracle, man. man. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is a Christmas miracle. That's right. That's right. So uh, let's take Florida State and the nine and a half. That's, that's a pretty pretty easy one again. Like Really like the spot for the Knolls there. If Florida State loses this game, something went terribly wrong. Yeah. We'll have some serious questions. and Or just chalk it up to bowl game weirdness, I guess. Right. Right. Probably that. Could be. Could be. Uh, Florida State, by the way, has not been to a bowl game, we said, since 2019. So, again, I think the players will be ready to, to go play there. Cheez-It we'll Bowl's a pretty decent bowl game, too. Mm-hmm. So, I think I think that's like third on the ACC's bowl lineup. <laughs> yeah, which, again, makes me wonder why Oklahoma is playing in this particular bowl game. But, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be the logo on the helmet, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Last day of bowl games, Mike. We'll keep moving here. On December the 30th, starting at noon on ESPN, it is the Duke's Mayo Bowl, where the number 23 NC State Wolfpack taking on the Maryland Terrapins. Maryland is a one-and-a-half-point favorite here. Total is 47-and-a-half. Honestly, kind of weirded out that Maryland is favored here, Mike. Am I wrong to think that? Uh, Yeah, probably. I mean, Maryland hasn't been terrible. NC State, too, like... No offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's like, true. Don't know about MJ Morris's status for the bowl game because he's been banged up. Like we don't know who's going to be under center there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Emmett. Or, I mean, who's going to be? I don't know. Who's going? Yeah. Be? Who's to say? Probably uh, Ben Finley. <laughs> yeah. Go down. Go down the list of Finley brothers at NC State. <laughs> see if. <laughs> see if we can hit with Ben. Right. Um, yeah. See who from the Finley Finley clan might be in attendance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually like Maryland here. Also. Hey. Yeah, and and I will say too, like both coaches, they mentioned that they're going to be dumping mayo on their heads if they win, which is significant. So mm-hmm. I'm not. Would a it mayo be funnier myself, to see but... mayo dumped on uh, Dave Doran or on Mike Loxley? Loxley for sure. Loxley. You think? Yeah, I think so. I almost think Doran would be funnier. Doran seems Doran... like such a no nonsense, like old school football. Yeah, guy. I was going to ask, is that why? Him signing up for this. <laughs> Like, it, it made a lot of sense last year when uh, Shane Beamer and Mac Brown signed up for that. Like, I get that. Yeah. They're both kind of their own, like, versions of cartoon characters, but I feel like Dave Dorn is not. <laughs> I, that's fair. I just feel like, you know, Shane Beamer being a player's coach, Loxley also being a player's coach, I just think, like, mm-hmm. the whole experience will be funnier, like, because they'll be really embracing it mm-hmm. versus, like, Dave Dorn who's like, ah, oh, shit, I got to do this right now. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dave I, Dorn, not a big TikTok user, I wouldn't imagine. No, uh, no, I, I don't think so. I like Maryland here just because I think the circumstances are kind of against NC State here in terms of like questions at quarterback, don't have an offensive coordinator for this game, like that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, d- not sure NC State really wants to be in the Duke's Mayo Bowl given kind of how they were trending earlier in the year. 
and yeah. Maryland is probably I would be thinking Maryland's out to prove that they're probably better than their seven and five record because in mm-hmm. a lot of games in the Big Ten they were like right in games against like good teams they probably should have won a few more yeah so I think they're out to kind of prove that they're a little better than seven and five I was kind of thinking about going with NC State but I think you've convinced me I'll go with Maryland here okay. um, I NC State it's nice to some degree, like when you're playing in a stadium kind of near home here where it's an easy road trip for fans and for family and all that, you know, you probably get a good turnout for, for honestly, both of these programs. This is not that far from, from college park either, but, um, at the same time, like you said, I mean, NC state for a lot of the year, I think had higher hopes than, than playing in the Mayo bowl. So, uh, you know, it's probably a, probably a good call out that, that Maryland will be a little bit more fired up to be here. But yeah. I, I don't feel strongly enough about this to say wager on it one way or the other. Um, right. I, I would not. I, I, maybe this is like a live wagering kind of thing. I, I would stay away from it. Right. I agree. I agree. Well, maybe touch, well, touchdown either way, right? Probably. Yeah, I yeah. think so. No clear difference in, in motivation from what I can tell. But, agree. You know, we'll see. Uh, later that afternoon at 2 o'clock on CBS, it is the Sun Bowl presented by Tony the mm. Tiger. Um, I don't know how that works. <laughs> It is at the Sun Bowl, where UTEP plays in El Paso, Texas. Uh, it is the Pitt Panthers taking on the number 18 UCLA Bruins. UCLA, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Total is 54. Uh, man, Mike? This is tough. This is tough for a couple of different reasons. Number one, okay. n- number one uh, Pitt doesn't have a quarterback. Right. Keaton Slovis, gone. Gone, transferring, which not a huge surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Bill Jakovic coming in. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that works out. Pitt doesn't have a quarterback for this game. So hmm. that's number one. I, I don't know if that, that's better or worse for them. Slovis wasn't very good. Number two, like UCLA at 9-3 and three is probably not too amped to go play at the Sun Bowl. Valid point. Is GTR playing? Has he officially said one way or another? I know he's been like, very coy about it. Is he playing? Because that's pretty significant. If he plays, I think UCLA wins. If he doesn't play, this is like an under game a coin flip game, all that stuff. There's going to be like a pick six or something that, that decides who wins. Yeah, One of the backup quarterbacks is going to make a crucial mistake that's going to lose them the game, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. We're not really seeing a whole lot of indication one way or the mm-hmm. other of him playing or not. Mm-hmm. And he said he's been like practicing with the team, but he's been playing it kind of coy whether or not he's going to suit up, which if I'm DTR, I don't know why I would suit up for the Sun Bowl, to be honest, other than mm-hmm. just like going out with your teammates, which I think is a cool thing to do. But if he chooses not to play in it, that's totally his prerogative. That'd be fine. It's not not that good of a bowl game. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not, not a whole lot that he has left to prove or left to put on tape or show anybody. Correct. Um, he's been there for a long time. Correct. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I was definitely leaning towards UCLA here. Like, I think both these teams playing at full strength and full effort, I would definitely lean with UCLA like comfortably. I think UCLA has been really good this year in a lot of spots. But, um, as you mentioned, I mean, who knows if, if DTR plays or not. I'm going to go with UCLA here. I think UCLA can win this game, and I don't think this is a great matchup for Pitt, especially if Keaton Slovis isn't playing, and we're going to, what, is, is Nick Patty still there? Uh, is- yeah, but he is, but not for long, because Pat Narduzzi confirmed that Nick Patty will be, uh, quote, moving on after the bowl game. <laughs> So, isn't that something that usually the player announces and not the coach? I saw that. I saw that quote. I was cracking up. Yeah, it'll be uh, quote unquote moving on. So, uh, thanks for your service. Get off my roster, old old Saint Nick Patty, Peppermint Patty, Peppermint Nick Patty. Uh, I need that scholarship back there, brother. Yeah, yeah. Please get the hell off my roster. Oh, yeah. I don't know. UCLA, I guess for me, but. And another game, it's a three-and-a-half-point spread. I think that probably tells us something about mm-hmm. DTR. And, uh, you know, if he does play, is he really going to play a full 60 minutes? I think UCLA does a lot of the things well that, that Pitt does well. I just think that UCLA does them better in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So that's that's where I would lean with the Bruins. But I, I, I would probably, again, live betting kind of situation, if anything, I would stay away from betting this ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um. This is also one that, we, as we've mentioned, can get some pretty wonky weather involved. Cold, wind, wind, wind snow, yeah. like you can get all sorts of nonsense there. So uh, uh, yeah. keep an eye on that as well. Yeah. Definitely would probably lean under 54 with the total. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, 
if DTR plays, I like UCLA a lot. If he doesn't play, toss up under game. Yep, yep. Last one, Mike. At 8 o'clock on December the 30th, it is the Capital One Orange Bowl. It is on ESPN. It is the number seven Clemson Tigers taking on the number six Tennessee Volunteers. This is at Hard Rock Stadium in Coral Gables or Miami Gardens or South Beach or wherever it is down there. Um, as we've as we've informed you all season long, uh, Mike Clemson is a six and a half point favorite in this game. Total is sixty three and a half. Of course, Tennessee without Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. as he blew his ACL. I assume it'll be uh, Joe Milton as their quarterback. Other than that, I was a little surprised that Clemson's favored by almost a touchdown here. I feel like the line is kind of begging me to take Clemson. I kind of lean with Tennessee here. I think that Tennessee is going to be ultra fired up to be here. Dabo tends tends to have Clemson pretty fired up for whatever bowl spot they're in. So I don't know. Maybe maybe motivation is something I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't really ascribe too much to either way. Um, I guess it's going to come down to, you know, do I think that Tennessee with Joe Milton is going to be able to light up Clemson's defense? And honestly, I think there's a chance that they still could. So do you feel that way even? And I, I don't know how significant this is with Heupel, too, like still being squarely in the fold, obviously. But like Alex Golish, the offensive coordinator, has moved on to South Florida. I don't know True. if he's coaching this bowl game or not. But if if he's not, then you have a situation where you have backup quarterback and not your regular offensive coordinator. But you still have Heupel. So... When Clemson technically with their backup quarterback too, Cade Klubnick going to be starting this game. I, I I would argue that they have their starter, Joey. Is what I would yeah. Argue. <laughs> um, yeah, difference of opinion, not not really. The, uh, yes, they're backup for this year, and mm-hmm. they're potential All American for next year. Let's let's just fire that up. Let's fire that train up, Joey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Club level camp. T- totally irresponsible. Who cares? Let's, t- let's take it to the club <laughs> level, baby. It's our last preview of the year. And this is uh sound works. Man, shout out Riverside. You got their stuff working. No, right? It doesn't happen often. <laughs> They're more reliable than Bet US though. Hey. Hey. <laughs> there it is. There it is. You I had to sneak that one in there. Uh now it's Get, an official episode. It is. Give me, give me, uh, give me Clemson close. Okay. Um. Yeah, we'll go with Clemson. I think they'll be fired up. I, I don't. This is where I think that even with Joe Milton, if I mean Tennessee should be able to hit some spots, you know, hit, hit some big shot plays down the field. Um, if if Joe Milton does anything well, it's throw the deep ball. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Now a couple of them might end in like the third row uh, somewhere because. <laughs> You kind of just have no idea where that ball is going to go when it comes out of his hand, but um, he does have a rocket arm. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson's defense, though, I think this is one of those cases where them not really being outstanding and actually just being like pretty good to really good is, is a difference maker because right. Tennessee has shown the ability, like even without Hendon Hooker, I think Joe Milton would be able to, you know, kind of damn the torpedoes a little bit and just hammer the thing down the field. Mm-hmm. I also wonder a little bit, I mean, do we really know was was Alex Golish like actually the one calling the plays and really the mastermind behind that whole? Offense? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like he's offensive coordinator and tight ends coach for Tennessee, so I don't know. I don't know what that entails. Maybe just schematically. I mean, I feel like Heupel's calling a lot of the plays. I was gonna say it feels like a bit of a Josh Heupel situation with him still being there. Like at that point, who cares? Right. Um, right. So I'm gonna go with Tennessee. I'll take it, at least Tennessee with the points. And as I've said, maybe with bowl season, like. Not sure I would bet underdogs just to cover. I'd probably just bet yeah. them to win outright. So uh-huh. I guess I'll take Tennessee and okay. uh, say feels like ninety eight and you know win the Orange Bowl and the whole thing. But <laughs> yeah, feels like ninety eight. Feels <laughs> like ninety eight to them with their backup and everything else, not playing for a playoff and all mm-hmm. that. Uh, but as with plus, all these games, I mean, lots of context here. So like, who knows? Yeah. Plus, like, Clemson's gonna be real hyped for this game because Dabo is gonna convince his players somehow that this is their national championship, Joey. They're made sure. in. Yeah, they're a program made out of NIL, baby. God's right. name, image, and likeness, like Dabo said. I I could not that that read like something out of the Onion. Like he didn't really say that, did he? <laughs> I I saw and I'll send you this tweet. There was one of the replies. I think it was Anna. It was Anna Hickey. I think of twenty four seven Sports. Uh, she covers Clemson. She she tweeted out that quote. She was at the press conference yesterday, and one of the first one of the first replies was Dabo's face painted uh, pasted onto Joel Austin and said Joel <laughs> Joel Austerine was the, the response, which I thought was incredible. So I'll send that to you. Oh but, my gosh, that that was 
I could not believe when I read that quote yesterday. That was unbelievable. Outstanding. <sighs> All right. Well, I think the team made of God's name, image, and likeness might lose to Tennessee here. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. God's plan. But, yeah. God's plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, should be a fun game, though. I definitely would watch it. I, I think it yeah. should be pretty back and forth, I would imagine. It's the Orange Bowl. You got to watch it. That's right. That's right. Mike, that's all I got on bowl games. Anything else that we need to talk about here? Playoff we're picks? Good. We're good, man. I got. Oh, I guess we can do playoff picks real quick. I was going to say, I got to go work, which is unfortunate because yeah. it's kind of – oh, it's after Christmas when you're hearing this, but before Christmas when we're recording. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, let's make our college football playoff picks. Joe, you first. I think I'm going to take Michigan over TCU. Yeah, in, me too. What is that, the Fiesta Bowl? Uh, yes, it is. Um, I, I'll take Michigan in that game. I think I, mostly just I don't think that TCU is going to be able to hold up in the trenches mm-hmm. uh, against Michigan and, and what they'll do for 60 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to take Georgia against Ohio State, too. I, yeah. I it, it brings me zero pleasure. And I know, my, by the way, my wife, who is a big Ohio State fan, she's listening to this right now and probably like about to come in here and punch me or something. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I would love – Love, love, love. Nothing more than for Ohio State to go in there and put it all together and put the whooping on Georgia. I just Ohio State does not seem like they have like really put it all together for most of the season, and I, I'm nervous that they would be able to in this spot against Georgia. So I, I'll take I'll take Georgia, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Let's optimistically take Michigan against Georgia in the national title game. Yeah, I mean, I I think a Michigan Georgia title game would be really good. I think it would be good. I, think, I, I just, mean, I think it would be somewhat better than their, what, Orange Bowl last year? Yeah. Where I Georgia would think just so. sat on them? I would think so. I would think yeah. so. Um, I think Georgia's a little worse defensively than they were a year ago, which isn't a slight at their defense, by the way. <laughs> they yeah. sent everybody, they sent like everybody to the NFL, and they still have a top five defense. I was going to say top three defense that's uh, yeah. not as good as last year's. Okay. Right, <laughs> right. It's like, yeah. yeah six and one, half dozen in the other. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I have the same picks. I like Michigan over TCU. Um, it would be fun to see, like, Max Duggan go up and down the field on Michigan's defense and, you know, start lighting up the scoreboard. I just don't know if that's going to happen. And then I also like Georgia against Ohio State for all the reasons you mentioned. I don't love the idea of Ohio State's inconsistent team playing against a very consistent Georgia team. I don't mm-hmm. like that very much at all. Georgia, whenever they play, like, a real game against a real opponent, they tend to win those games. Um they got bored and played with their food a couple times this year against teams they knew they were like three touchdowns better than. Mm-hmm. That's not the case here. So I yeah. think they'll think Georgia will have uh, Ohio State will have Georgia's full attention, which I think mm-hmm. is bad news for the Buckeyes. And then um, I think I think Georgia's going back to back. I just think they're they're the best. I think they're the best team remaining. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at there. Yeah, there's just kind of a lack of a second really complete team. It feels yeah. like. Um, and. I don't know. I'm still I'm still pretty underwhelmed, unimpressed with a lot of what Georgia does on offense schematically and such. It's just the talent is so overwhelming that I just don't know that there's anyone out there that, that is good enough talent talent wise and schematically to be able to stop it. Um, and not and a slight and not a slight against Stetson Bennett, but like, can you imagine this this Georgia team had Jake Fromm? You'd be like, oh yeah. You'd be like, okay. I mean, Jake Fromm was just a fine quarterback at Georgia, but he was a step up from Stetson Bennett. I'd yeah. be like, this Georgia offense has got got some get up to it you know what i mean I and say, I'll, I'll throw slights at stetson bennett that was one of the most <laughs> underwhelming heisman yeah. campaign stat lines i have ever seen in my life he did not deserve to be a heisman finalist no he is a fine he's a fine quarterback and he played spectacularly in the second half of the national championship last year so i'm not going mm-hmm. to slight stetson bennett i think he's a he's a decent college quarterback and he made his name right in that national title yep. last year can't take any of that away from him but I'm just saying, there's another level Georgia's offense can get to if they have a quarterback. Yep, like probably. A, a real quarterback, like elite quarterback. Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, again, nothing would make me happier than for Ohio State to beat Georgia. I will be cheering for the Buckeyes. I, yep. I hope, I hope, I hope. Um, you know, but I guess we'll see. Yep. So. All right, Mike. Now that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Awesome. Want to work on getting out of here? Go watch Let's some bowl games? Let's do it. All right. Uh, you can find us once again on Twitter as we go through all these games. We'll probably be uh, be tweeting about them, so join the conversation on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel SI. Together we're at BC Podcast ACC. 
You can send us an email with your questions, comments, concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And we are getting towards the offseason, so we're going to need some content to talk about. So uh, mm-hmm. if you send us questions, they're very likely going to get worked into episodes. Yes. Unlike in, you know, in season where we've got a lot of other things to talk about. So <laughs> right. Correct. That's a, uh, yeah, we're self-aware here. Mike, we're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on uh, Amazon Music, we're on all the good places you go find your podcasts, mm-hmm. so just go search there and, uh, and add us and subscribe and all those things. We're on YouTube, youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Uh, we are very, very close to having enough subscribers to get a legitimate uh, legitimate subscription or a, a legitimate URL, dedicated mm-hmm. URL. So yep. hopefully if you are still visiting with family, you can hijack a couple of phones and subscribe on there and, uh, and help get us there. Yeah. Yep, we're not above for that. For sure. No. No, definitely not. Um, Mike, uh, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts. Uh, not all of them, some of them. Uh, <laughs> Instagram at BC Podcast ACC. Yeah, do that. BC Podcast. Do it for the gram. Do it for the gram, baby. Mike, that's all I got. Anything else? We'll be back for recaps. We will. We will. Uh, we will be back for recaps very soon. I don't know exactly when that will be recorded. Um, Maybe on just New Year's Eve or something. We'll have to talk about scheduling. Right. Um, but, you know, we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. And keep it tuned here as we get into the offseason. There will be a lot more content. Um, as, as we mentioned, we got to talk some more recruiting. Uh, there will be some more news that comes up, uh, different, different items to talk about. So keep it tuned here. We do uh, record and post things throughout the offseason. So we will uh, we'll still be here. So hopefully you will too. With more regular podcasts because Scott will make sure it happens. Yeah, yeah. He's actually, uh, you know making sure we do the things that good podcasters should. Right. So. <laughs> yeah, which is something that Joey and I have neglected to do for the first seven years. So That is correct. That is yeah. correct. Mike, enjoy the bowl games. We will talk afterwards. You too. Thank you. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of bowl season. We will talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.